praying for the things going on globally. Lord God, we thank you for what you are doing in your world, in your earth. And God, this past week, your world has watched as the Catholic Church has elected a new pope. We thank you for Pope Francis. God, as as distant brothers and sisters in Christ with him and with the Catholic Church, we ask that you would give him the leadership he needs to lead his church. We ask that you would give him grace. We ask, Lord, that you would not take from him his, his heartbeat of serving the poor, of being there with the least of these. We ask, Lord, that that would bleed over into the, into the Catholic Church around the globe. We're going to take just a moment in quiet, and as God brings to mind something around the world, just pray for that in your own heart. Make sure we're praying for the things taking place in our, in our nation as well. Lord God, we, we thank you that you have put a government uh, over us. Uh, as, as much times as we may be disgruntled uh, with how they run, we thank you that they are there and that you have put them there. God, we ask for wisdom for them as they this week are wrestling with, uh, with what type of regulations to put on weapons. We ask, Lord, that you would help them lead and guide well our nation. Ultimately, Lord, we ask that you would put people there who would, who would point people to you. And again, as God brings to mind something going on in our nation, pray for that in your own spirit. Make sure to remember the things going on in our own state as well. This morning, Father, we pray for the families of those who lost loved ones in that plane crash this past weekend. God, in Lincoln County, we we think of the shock that those families encountered as they got the phone call saying that, that their son or daughter had died in that wreck. We ask that you would comfort them somehow, Lord, in, in the uncertainty of what is going on. Again, we ask that as as things in our state come to mind, you pray for them within your own spirit. God, we also think of the things going on locally. We think of the family that was, uh, was rocked in Moses Lake this past week as, as a child who was uh, given correction, retaliated in the worst of ways. We ask that you would comfort that entire community as they grieve the loss of a mother and father. We also ask, Lord, for the churches here in Spokane. God, this morning we think specifically of Timberview Christian Fellowship, our, our sister church. We ask as they are going through a pastoral change that 
you would give, uh, you would give them grace and peace with each other. Uh, Lord, we ask as Pastor Glenn finishes his time there that he would finish well. And we ask as the next person is, is sought after that you would give our, our conference leadership wisdom as they discern who would be best to lead that church. We ask, Lord, for comfort for the rest of the staff as, as they are going through this as well and for the body of Timberview. God, it's never easy to transition, but we pray that you would be present with them. We ask, Lord, that you would bless Pastor Glenn in his next ministry and, and bless the ministry of whoever comes into this uh, to, to Pastor Timberview. As there's things that come to mind in our own local region, in our own city, pray for those in your own heart. Now, Father, we pray for the needs of our own community, First Free Methodist Church. God, we ask that for those who are sick, you would bring healing. We ask, Father, that for those who are lonely, you would bring your presence. We ask, Father, that for those who are discouraged, you would bring encouragement. And we ask, Lord, for those who are tired, that they would be able to come before the foot of the cross and accept the rest that you have promised them. In your own heart, as you know of a need in our body, lift it up before God. God, we are grateful that you are a God who has told us to bring all of our our cares, all of our concerns to you. We thank you that your word promises that you care about us. We thank you that you promise also to hear our prayers and heal our nation, heal our city, heal our church. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who makes it possible for us to even come before you and pray. What a gracious God you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What are we, March 17th? Is that right? Is that St. Patrick's Day? I'm not wearing green. Feel free. Pinch me. We are also, to change the subject, in the heart of tax season. Woo! And Heidi Spots, our resident CPA, loves it. She loves the long hours. Notice the bags under John's eyes. She loves the fact that the husband's at home taking care of the kids. Heidi loves the stress. The stress and more stress. What's not to like? Right? Tax season. Growing up as a kid, I never used to like it. You may be wondering, how would a kid know anything about tax season? Isn't it just the, it's just the adults that pay taxes, right? 
Not in my house growing up. See, my parents, they, uh, they did things right. They, uh, they wanted to make sure that anything that possibly could be taxed was. So as James would go to his neighbor's yard and mow it and get five bucks, my parents would tell me when I got home, write it down. Or as the sisters would go and get babysitting jobs, they would have to write it down. As I'd go and help my neighbor or a friend fix roofs or paint houses or anything, we would have to write it down because my parents wanted to be above reproach and make sure anything that was like self-employment tax, anything the government could tax us on, they wanted to make sure they, they got done and done right. And good for them. I value that now. Didn't always value it then because every year I owed the government something. I didn't know what a tax refund was until I got married, had a house with a mortgage, and had a couple of kids. Ooh, you gotta love that t- child tax credit, yes? All the parents say amen. A couple of you said it. Very good. God apparently has a sense of humor because as I, I planned the text that I was gonna be preaching on today back in October of last year, And I had no idea that this past week I'd get my taxes done. But our text fits perfectly with that. I want you just to listen to the story the first time. We'll get our Bibles out in a little bit. This is Luke chapter 20. Watching for their opportunity, the leaders sent spies pretending to be honest men. They tried to get Jesus to say something that could be reported to the Roman governor so he would arrest Jesus. Teacher, they said... We know that you speak and teach what is right, and you are not influenced by what others think. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus saw through their trickery and said, Show me a Roman coin. Show me a denarius. Whose picture, whose title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So they failed to trap him by what he said in front of them. Instead, they were amazed by his answer and they became silent. Give to the government what is the government's, but I get a tax refund, so give me back what is mine. Hey, hey, somebody said it. Thanks, Jenny. Amen. Give to the government what is the government's, but give me back what is mine. We're in the heart of a four-week series called, What Would They Have Heard? Over the past few weeks, we've looked at the text surrounding Jesus' last week of his earthly ministry, leading up to his crucifixion. We've looked at the things he said, realizing that those things were full of meaning, connotations, illusions that we today may not catch on to. So we've been asking, what would the people, the crowds around Jesus, what would the religious leaders have heard? What would those on the inner circle have heard when Jesus said certain things? Ultimately, we're trying to put our feet in the sandals of those walking around the dusty roads in Jerusalem with Jesus in that final Passover week. We're going to do that again today. But before we do, allow me to seek guidance from the God who whose story this is ultimately about. Father, as we dive into your word, I ask that you would give me wisdom and discernment as to what to share, as to what not to share. 
I pray you would open my eyes and ears to hear from you. And Father, for those in our congregation today, I pray the same thing. May they hear the voice of the Lord this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our story is found in Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 20. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out and open them if you haven't yet. If some, something I say strikes a nerve, jot a note in the margin. Draw a star, underline a verse. This way you're doing more than just sitting listening. You're participating with other senses as well. Luke chapter 20, verse 20. Watching for their opportunity, the leaders sent spies pretending to be honest men. They tried to get Jesus to say something that they could report to the Roman governor so he could arrest them, or so he could arrest Jesus. Teacher, they said, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and you're not influenced by what others think. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? What did those around Jesus hear that day? Or maybe a better question would be, what were they hoping to hear? Those asking the question, those who had sent the question askers, what did they want Jesus to say? It's pretty obvious that something sneaky is going on here, isn't it? Sending spies. At the beginning of this chapter, we looked at two weeks ago, Jesus' authority was questioned, and Jesus responded back to those questioning with a question. Ultimately, the religious leaders were made to look just a little bit foolish. This time, they have learned their lesson, so those religious leaders sent spies. This was going to be a surveillance job, an undercover job, a black ops job. You know, that, type, that, that top secret type of job. The Greek word used for spies literally means that someone hired to lie in wait. Picturing someone lurking about, waiting for their chance to destroy. This group of spies was waiting. And not only were they waiting, they were sent by somebody. They were sent. The word here in Greek paints the picture of being purposefully authorized. It's a word that means to be commissioned. Remember several weeks back, we commissioned David and Shelley Midkiff for their missionary work in Papua New Guinea. Remember that? Everything we did that morning was intentional. It was purposeful. It was strategic. We sent them out. That's what was taking place here with this group of spies. They were sent out. They were commissioned by the teachers of religious law and the leading priests to go and lie in wait to destroy Jesus. And they brought a fantastic question that morning. An amazing question. Tell us, teacher, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This would be like us today going to our boss and saying something like, oh, you know, that big company event that's coming up, the big fundraiser, I happen to have a family event that day. I'm going to go to my sister's wedding or my boy's ball game or the family reunion or something. So uh, you just tell me if that's not okay. The boss is in kind of a tight space at that point, right? Because if the boss says, no, you can't go, they're going to be accused of being against family values. But if they say you can go, next thing you know, everybody in the company is going to be taking time off at pivotal points during the year. 
Questions like these are not a good one to ask a boss. The question in our text, it's got no good answer. See, Jesus is in a tight space. From our vantage point, he only has two responses he can give. Yes or no. Which response were those who sent the question askers hoping to hear? Either. Either. Here's why. The question is, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? If Jesus answers, yes, it's right, he's going to lose a lot, a lot of support from those people who have been faithfully following him. From those people who waved the palm branches just a couple, a couple days earlier as he came into town. Those people are not going to come home and you know, grab the food over the dinner table and say, hey, hey, honey, I don't know if this Jesus character is all he's cracked up to be. They're going to send a telegram to their uncle and say, you know, this guy said we should keep paying taxes. I don't know if he's worth following. Because the Romans, they taxed the Jews heavily. And the Jews hated this taxation system. Listen to to a couple examples. The Romans taxed the Jews on land or produce. 10% of of all grain grown. And 20% of all the fruit All the wine that was harvested had to go to the Romans. There was a customs tax that was collected at ports and city gates for all the goods transported through. Two to five percent of the worth of of the goods. There was the poll tax, the head tax that was taken when a census was taken for everyone ages 14 to 65. That tax, a denarius, a day's wage. And this tax was paid simply for the privilege of existing. Estimated that the average Jew, the average Jewish adult male worked three weeks out of the year to pay the occupying Roman taxes. So if Jesus says, yes, it's right, pay the taxes, that lifts absolutely zero financial burden on Jesus' Jewish brothers and sisters. Now, on top of that, if Jesus says yes, all those followers are going to seriously question Jesus' allegiance to Yahweh. On that denarius, on that coin that was used to pay the the head tax, the poll tax, the inscription on that referred to Caesar as divine, as chief priest. The Caesars were worshipped as gods by the pagans, so the claim on divinity on that coin itself, it repulsed the Jews. So if Jesus answers yes, he's going to look like he's ignoring one of the big ten commandments. Exodus 20, verse 4, God had told Moses, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image or a likeness of anything in heavens or on earth. Deuteronomy 4, 16, it's reiterated. God says, beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. Do you see how by answering yes, Jesus, he wouldn't really be doing himself or his ministry any favors? What were those asking the questions, hoping to hear? They wanted Jesus to say yes, pay the taxes. But they would have been just as happy had Jesus said no, no, don't don't pay the taxes. Because by answering no, Jesus could be tried and condemned for sedition towards the Roman government. They could try him for inciting a rebellion. In fact, when the religious leaders brought Jesus to trial a couple days later, listen to what they accused him of. 
Luke 23, 2, they began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government by claiming he was the Messiah. Answer no to their question. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus makes Rome very, very, very mad at him. They were hoping to do that. You look at the second half of verse 20 in our text. They tried to get Jesus to say something that could be reported to the Roman governor so he would arrest Jesus. Would not have been a good answer for Jesus to answer, no, don't pay taxes. So is it right to pay taxes to Caesar, they asked Jesus. The question was an obvious trap. Answer yes, and Jesus, is lo- Jesus loses clout with the people. Answer no, and he gets tried by the Roman government for rebellion. Those who sent and those who asked that question, they were hoping Jesus would say yes or no. But that is not what they got. Back in our text, verse 22. Now tell us. They said, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus saw through their trickery, and he said, show me a denarius. Show me a Roman coin. Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. What a response. Those askers were not expecting that. And they were dumbfounded when he said that. They were led to silence. The the next verse tells us that. Now there are a lot of different ways, a lot of different directions we could look at Jesus' answer. We could look at it saying, okay, is this a division of church and state? We could talk about whether or not this was Jesus' submission to earthly authority. We could look back a few chapters and say, okay, was Jesus somehow relating what he's saying now to his comments about not being able to serve two masters, God and mammon, God and wealth? We could talk about whether or not this was Jesus' answer as to whether or not it's right to pay taxes. We could go any of those routes this morning, but we're going to stick with our theme. What would they have heard when Jesus responded? Well then, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. Give to God what belongs to God. If those around Jesus, if those Jews who knew their Old Testament scriptures around Jesus were listening well, they would have heard some echoes from their Old Testament Hebrew, their Old Testament scriptures, their Hebrew scriptures. In the Old Testament, what was God's? What was His? We'll start small, okay? As in babies. What did the Old Testament say belonged to God? Firstborns. Exodus 13, 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to Moses, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. Leviticus 27, 26. God is speaking, actually I think Moses is speaking to the people. And he says, you may not dedicate a firstborn animal to the Lord, for the firstborn of your cattle, your sheep, your goats, already belongs to God. Jesus said, give to God what belongs to God. We'll go a little bit bigger. We started with babies. God amended the firstborn statement. 
He now says the entire tribe of Levi belongs to God. This is Numbers chapter 3. And the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have chosen the Levites from among the Israelites to serve as substitutes for all the firstborn sons of the people of Israel. The Levites belong to me. Jesus said, God, what belongs to God? There's more. God goes even bigger. In the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament, God claims an entire people group called the Israelites. Jeremiah 11, verse 4. For I said to your ancestors when I brought them out of the iron-smelting furnace of Egypt, if you obey me and do whatever I commanded you, then you will be my people, and I will be your God. Fast forward 17 chapters, Jeremiah 31, 33. God says, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 44, verses 3 through 5. God says, for I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. And I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. They will thrive like watered grass, like willows on a riverbank. Some will proudly claim, I belong to the Lord. Jesus said, give to God what belongs to God. Jesus' answer in verse 25 of Luke chapter 20, it's not about taxes. Let's keep going. Let's get even bigger. There's even louder echoes from the Old Testament, louder than simply the firstborn males, louder than the tribes of Levi, louder than the entire people group. God had claim on a whole lot more, and a whole lot more belonged to God. So what did those listening to Jesus that day hear when Jesus responded like that? Give to God what belongs to God. I believe some of them would have heard the voice of Moses. Moses said in Exodus 9, verse 29, right after the plague of hail, All right, Moses replied to Pharaoh, As soon as I leave the city, I will lift up my hands and pray to the Lord. Then the thunder and hail will stop, and you will know that the earth belongs to the Lord. Some would have heard Moses that day. I believe others would have heard the voice of King David. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to God. I've got to believe that there were others listening may have heard God's response to Job. In Job 41, 11, God says, And who can give me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. Jesus said, give to God what belongs to God. Jesus' answer is brilliant. He doesn't simply answer yes or no. He blows the taxation question out of the water and shows that his response is so much bigger. Go ahead, he says. Give to Caesar what he claims is already his. Look, it's got his picture on it. It's got his name stamped on it. Give it back to him. But give to God what belongs to God. The verb to give in this instance, actually is better understood as to give back. To return or to pay what one owes. You can see that several times in Luke, in 4.20, in 7.42, in 10.35. You see it in Leviticus 6.4. What a great point. Give back to Caesar what's already his. And give back to God what's already his. 
That sneaky, covert surveillance operation sent by the religious leaders failed to get Jesus to answer the way they wanted Him to. He didn't say anything that would have put Him in the wrong with the Romans. Their goal in the beginning of verse 20. And Jesus didn't say anything that would put Him in the bad standings with the people. You see, verse 26 says, so they failed to trap Him by what He said in front of the people. But instead, Jesus' response led to this. Instead, they were amazed by His answer and they became silent. What did they hear Jesus say that day? Today. Let us not let Jesus' answer lead only to our wonderment and silence. May it lead to our understanding and repentance. Let Jesus' answer about taxes not lead to our wonderment and silence, but let it lead to our understanding and repentance. Look at the big picture scene here. Jesus is in the last week of His earthly life. He's in the city where He's going to be betrayed, beaten, crucified, hung on a cross, and Jesus is about to give all to God what belongs to God Himself. Jesus is about to say, God, it's yours. Take me. All for us. Now I could end this morning with a very broad challenge. I could say, now you guys go and do the same. Go give back to God what Jesus gave back to God in Himself. You belong to God anyways, go give Him back. I could leave with that challenge and you guys would leave thinking, yes, that's fantastic. But, but by the time you walked out that front door, you'd be thinking, where do I start? Hey, hey, where do I begin? That's that's. that's a great idea, but I don't know where to, where to start. So let's figure that out together. Let's figure out where we start. I want to start on a personal level, and then we want to finish on a corporate or community level. For you personally, is there, is, is there anything you've been refusing to give back to God? I started this sermon kind of playfully saying, give to the government what's the government's, but give me back what is mine. Is there anything in your life that you're saying, that's, that's mine? I'm not going to give it back. Is it your financial situation? Is it your future? The uncertainty of tomorrow? Are you still trying to hold on to your own health or the health of a loved one? Are you trying to hold on to your kids' well-being? Are you trying to hold on to your time? What would it look like if we gave God back our time? What are you holding on to saying, this is mine? What does it mean today for you to give God back what belongs to Him? I'm going to ask Austin to come forward, play a little bit in the background. And I want you guys to allow God to just speak to you. I want you to ask Him, God, what is it in my life, personally, that I'm not wanting to give back quite yet? Maybe today you're recognizing, okay, this, this is God's. I just need to reach out my hand and give it back to Him. As Austin plays, I want you guys to allow the Spirit of God to bring that thing to mind. And listen well. We'll take, we'll take 30 seconds. We'll take a minute of just quiet as we wrestle with what is it for us that God wants us to give back to God?
feel free to keep playing. When you figured that out, when God laid it on your heart, what is that? It's two little cards stapled to your bulletin. Write down what that one thing is. Write it down on both cards. One of them is for you to keep. The other, I'll tell you what to do in a little bit. That's your personal response to God. Give to God what belongs to God. Now, corporately. I said we'd start individually and then move to corporately. When you guys came in, each one of you was given a key. A lot of you said, well, what is this? What is this for? This key represents the key to our church. It represents the the key that opens our front door. I truly believe that when we listen to God individually, He will take the next steps and ask bigger. Just like He did throughout the Old Testament. If we genuinely give back the individual things to God, He's going to have the ability to do some amazing things in this church body. But in order for Him to do that, we've got to give Him back His church. We've got to give Him back our preferences. We've got to give Him back our specific songs that we like. We've got to give Him back our styles of worship, our our desires for silence, or our need to clap hands. We've got to give Him back all the programs that we have in place. The staffing that we have in place, the building itself, all its uses, and we have to be willing to say, Lord, it's yours. Take it back. If you question that, read Matthew 16, 18 later today. God says, I will build my church. He said, He'll give us the keys to the kingdom, but the church is His. We have to be willing to say, Lord, if it's your desire to shrink this church, It belongs to you. Lord, if it's your desire to blow this church up in numbers, to make it 300, 500, 1,000, this church belongs to you. God, if it's your desire for us to close these doors on a Sunday morning, three Sundays a, a month, and go out and serve, this is your church. Lord, if it's your desire for us to have those doors open seven days a week for prayer meetings and mom's meetings and kids' programs and multicultural programming, this church belongs to you. I don't know what God will do with this place if we truly give Him back His church. I don't even know what holds we may have on it. But I know I want to give Him back His key. I want to say it's your church. Father, do with it as you want. I want to be able to say, Lord, this, this building, these people, they're yours. The question to First Church this morning is, will you join me? Will you join me in giving back His church to Him? We're going to sing a song in just a moment titled, I Surrender All. You guys know that song. And as we do that, I'm going to ask, while we're singing... You guys to take this key. Bring it up. Put it in the basket. If you're willing to let God do what He wants to do with this church, whatever that may look like, then come forward and give Him His key back. And while you're coming, grab that second of the individual cards and put that in this basket also. The figurative altar we're laying before the Lord. God, our things that we're saying are, are ours, and we're giving you back your church. 
I want to invite the worship team to come forward first and do that so they can come on up on stage. And then as we start to sing, as we are worshiping in song, I invite everyone else to come forward as well. Lord God, this is Your church. Oh, and as much as we want to claim it as ours, we recognize we are just a part of what You are doing. And we recognize, Lord, that by letting go, it's a risk. But it's a risk You're calling us to take. Lord, I'm excited to see what You will do with Your church. Not just here in this location, but Your church citywide, Your church globally. God, this is Yours. We give it back to You. We give to You what belongs to You. So Lord, we truly do surrender all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. And again, as we sing, feel free to bring your key forward. Jesus, I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. To Jesus I surrender Lonely at His feet I bow Worldly pleasures all forsaken Take me, Jesus, take me now Sing, I surrender all surrender all I surrender all all to thee my blessed Savior I surrender To Jesus I surrender, make me give your holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit, truly know that thou art To Jesus I surrender, Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power, let 
blessings fall on me. Sing, I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender there may be things that you're struggling to let go of and you just want somebody to come alongside you and pray for you. We invite you to come forward. We'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for you. We're going to sing the song again all the way through. This is just a time for us really to surrender everything, to give back to God what is His. So if you want prayer, I, enjoy you to, I invite you to come forward. Our pastor's cabinet and others will gather around you and we'll sing this song one more time. Jesus, I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. Jesus, I surrender humbly at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken take me, Jesus, take me now.
to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power. Let my blessings fall on me. Surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender Team's going to keep playing quietly. We're going to dismiss and go. Uh, come back in a few minutes to listen to uh, to listen to Elizabeth as she shares about time in Israel. And make sure you go wondering and asking and then responding to God as He says, "This is what's mine. I want it back." So may God bless you and protect you. May God smile upon you and be gracious to you. May God show you his favor and give you his peace. And may you give back to God all that is God's. Amen? Amen. You guys are quietly dismissed.